Good morning. My name's Nathan. I'm uh, part of the Westside Gathering leadership team. And uh, seeing as David was invited to, to uh, preach at another church this morning, uh, I got called up. It's always a great experience when I get like, that call, like, hey, do you want to... It's normally an email. It's an email that I get. Hey, do you want to preach on the, on the first? And, and I said, yes, absolutely. Any excuse to get in front of a pe- group of people and talk? Um, really, it's, I, I crave attention. No, uh, I, actually, it's, it's, it's something different than that. I, I really believe that uh, God is, has uh, uh, given me things to say, and, and whenever I have the opportunity to share, it, it's, it's a privilege and an honor. And thanks for coming. If, uh, if it was uh, just like an empty room here, it would not be the same experience at all for me. Um, I, I think it would be a bit long and awkward, but really thank you for, for listening and being here, and uh, I hope that um, what we, what we uh, are looking at together will be really uplifting uh, for all of us, including myself. Uh, for those who missed last week, we're in a series called I Am, Discovering the Character and Purposes of God in Jesus. And it's a series that, that talks to us about uh, who Jesus is and who he can be for us. And also, uh, it prepares our hearts towards Easter, and uh, that's coming up pretty soon. But the whole sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus is, is uh, what we're preparing our, ourselves for as we, as we look at today. Um, last week, Kenzo talked about the importance of this I am statement. He, uh, he we learned about how in the Old Testament, Moses um, met God uh, through a bush that was on fire, and, and God said, my name is I am. I am that I, and uh, the I am statements that Jesus says in, in the New Testament um, kind of echo back to that statement in the Old Testament. And when he says I am something, he's actually speaking of his divinity and, and how God himself came to earth to be among us. So today's statement is from uh, John 6, 35. It's a long, we're going to look at John 6 pretty much in its entirety, but we're going to start with this, this statement that he said, and he said, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Um, I'm just going to take a moment to pray. Lord, I thank you for um, this opportunity for us to get together and look into your word. Um, this promise that you are the bread of life, that you will provide and sustain us, God, is such a, an exciting promise that uh, we'd love to experience on an everyday basis. But often a lot of um, what's going on in our lives gets in the way of that. And I pray that as uh, we look through this passage today that you'll use my words, uh, send your spirit on me that I could bring forward what you want uh, all of us to hear today. Um, and I also pray, God, that uh, you'll help us all be attentive and uh, open our hearts to, to your truth in this. I thank you, Jesus, for your presence. Um, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Right. So uh, when me and... Uh, I'm going to show you guys... Brace yourselves. show you guys some pictures of 10 years ago. We're back in time here. This is, this is me and a much, much smaller version of me. Um, this is uh, when, when the, my, my wife was still working for a company called Just Fundraising. We would go on like trips, um, uh, business trips, and I would get to stay in, stay, in, stay in hotels and see beautiful views like that. This is uh, San Antonio, Texas. It's a beautiful uh, city. Uh, we got to see a basketball game there. We got to um, like visit their Riverwalk area, saw the Alamo. It was a nice trip. Um, 
It did have a problem, though, with this trip. Like, I mean, the first day was great. We got there. Uh, one of the first meals we have is this, like, big uh, hamburger that's, like, the size of, a, like, a basketball itself. Um, and then it had, like, fries on the side. And I was like, this is the best. I'm going to have the greatest time here, is my, was my thought at the time. The company was paying for it, which is even better. Um, and, and then, um, as exciting as it was, when the next meal was the same thing, it was a bit less exciting. And then by day three, when all they had was meat and potatoes, um, I, was, I was done. Um, my, my wife uh, ordered at one point just side dishes. We went to a restaurant, a fancy restaurant, and she said, just, just give me all the sides that have vegetables in it. We were, we were so tired of not having like real food. And I, I think you probably have had this experience before when you're on a trip and you just want to get home and like Put some, take something out of the fridge and just eat it and not like, have to like, order the fancy thing covered in oil or grease or whatever. And you, sometimes we're just, we're just like, hungry for something that's, that's wholesome, that sustains, that makes you just happy uh, to, to just eat and, 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 and be nourished by. Um, by the way, if, if, you're, if you're... This is an observation from my, my school life. If you are French in here, you have an advantage on the rest of us English people because um, you are never hungry. Have you noticed this? Never hungry. Um, this is a grammatical joke because um, you know in French you don't you don't you are not hungry. You have hunger, so so it's a it's a different experience. You, like like in French you you have hunger. You are not hunger. Uh, in English it becomes our identity. <laughs> the minute we have not eaten, we are hungry. It is all we become. There is, uh, there is no uh, getting around it. Uh, all we think about, all that we desire is, is something to eat, something to, to eat. Uh, we, we feel hunger, but, but we are hungry. And, and, it's, uh, and, and my wife actually has a new word that we use for something with the kids. Uh, when they don't eat in a while, they become hangry. Have you heard this? It's the combination of angry and hungry. It goes together, becomes hangry. My hope is by the end of this gathering, none of you will be there. So I'm going to try to like really watch the time carefully here and, and, and get you out of here in time. But at the same time, uh, I think deep down, when, even on a, on a more spiritual level, we all have hunger. We all desire something more than what we have uh, on a daily basis. It's hard to be satisfied with what we have spiritually. And even in our lives, uh, we often have a desire to, um, to have a more significant life. And sometimes they're very, like, um, sometimes we hunger for things that are very material, like we really need um, food. Um, the West Island does have issues. Uh, there are people that have hungered, that have actually uh, lack of food, uh, even though we don't necessarily see it. It's well hidden on the West Island. There are people that, that don't eat as much as they would like, uh, as much as they need even, and, uh, because food is expensive and life is expensive. Um, and at the same time, we also have uh, physical needs that, that, that we need to meet, uh, and that, 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 uh, that when we don't meet them, we, we get anxious and stressed. We, we worry about paying mortgage payments, and, and uh, we worry about uh, even, like, being happy. And that's a big deal, because sometimes being happy is harder than it should be. And we hunger for the kind of joy that perhaps God could give us. And we don't know how to get to it. We don't know how to, to, to reach for it. And, um, and it, it, we're looking for something that will sustain us. And maybe that's why we're here today. So the passage we're going to look for um, is, is, is the one that we read earlier, where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. 
So it's not just a bread that uh, will sustain us physically. It's a bread for all of life. The, the, the work life, the home life, the family life, all of life. Jesus is the bread for that, the sustaining uh, power in that. So that's the main idea. Jesus is the bread that satisfies our hunger, and belief in him quenches our thirst for more. That's the promise that I'm hoping that when we leave today, we'll have become convinced of, and, and that we'll maybe experience a little bit as we take the elements together and, um, and remind ourselves of who Jesus is. So this story and this conversation, this statement that Jesus says when he says that he's the bread of life, doesn't happen in a moment where, like, um, like he just is like, hey, guys, sit down, let's talk about the bread of life. No, there's a, there's a whole context around it that I think is super enriching to understand. Um, and I think as we look at this, we'll also understand a bit, maybe a bit more about ourselves. So this story where Jesus says, I am the bread of life, comes after two major stories that you have all, anyone who's gone to Sunday school has probably heard in the past. Story number one is Jesus multiplying the bread and fishes. Um, this is the one where there's, there's five loaves of bread and two fish. There's a whole, there's a whole mountain uh, side full of people who have come to see him. He's with his disciples. They're in a secluded place off the Sea of Galilee. Um, the people are hungry. He's been teaching them. And they say, hey, um, we're hungry. And Jesus, uh, in this moment, says, well, we should, you guys should, we should feed them. And they're like, well, we don't have any food. And Jesus says, well, you feed them. What do we have? And Jesus takes these loaves and fishes and, and prays over them, multiplies these, these loaves and fishes to like the thousands of people that are there. Everyone's freaking out. And then in John chapter 6, this is where the, it starts, he says, um, there's, he, it says that the people, when they saw this, said, surely this is a, pro- a prophet who came, who is to come into the world. And Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew to a mountain by himself. You feed you feed people food, and they want to make you king. Um, I mean, mom's out here. Wouldn't you love that if your kids, like, when you feed, like, they don't argue over what the meal is. Not just, like, they want to make you king. Like, you're the queen. You've, made, you've brought us food. Um, that's how I feel when my wife makes me food. I just, anyway. Uh, but, but, um, but the great thing about this is that, yeah, they, they, they see the, the amazing power of Jesus. They see the sign that he's able to multiply these loaves and fishes, and, um, and they want to make him king. They, wanna, they, they, wanna, they, they want to make... Uh, and so what Jesus does is he, he flees. He, he disappears. He heads out to the mountainside alone from the others. And then it follows the second story where his disciples then cross the sea, get stuck in a storm, and Jesus walks on water to meet them and goes ahead of them, and then they, they, they meet up after that, and they go onto this other side of the Sea of Galilee, and sure enough, the people that were fed follow him around the Sea of Galilee to find him again. It's like one of those like, uh, signs at the national parks or provincial parks where it's like, don't feed the wild animals. They keep coming back. This is, this is what the people are doing. Like he feeds them loaves and fishes, and they follow him to the, the, uh, around the Sea of Galilee. They might have regular jobs. No, no. Like, the more important thing, this guy gave us food. We're going to go follow him, which kind of shows at the time how significant food was. Like, in our, in our life now, in, the, in, in, in our modern Western world, we have fridges that are mostly full, at least after grocery day, um, or we have access to restaurants and places we can feed. But at the time, everything was about food. 
in a sustained, in a, like a sustenance society, in a, in a place where like everyone worked every day, you had no fridges, you had no way to contain or maintain food. Everyone was working constantly for food. So to, for Jesus to say, I am the bread of life, he's saying, I am essential to your life. Um, and these people come to him hoping that, they, he, that he will provide for them what they need in that moment then. And Jesus then offers something that's even bigger. He says, I am all of life for you. I can be the bread of life for you. Um, here, is, um, here is where we're going to start to read the passage. So this is in John. I'm going to put it on uh, in, in John 6, verse 25 to 51. Um, we're going to read the whole thing. And um, the, the, the passage actually goes on past this. And we might read a bit of it more later. And there's the whole section before that I didn't read about the, the, the other miracles he did. But... Um, as we read it, try to think of like the, the, the perspective of the crowd, um, what, what they were looking for in this, and what they're hoping to get out of this. And uh, as I read the different sections, I might stop at a moment and make some comments, but that's, that's just kind of the, 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 the perspective to look on it. I took the verse numbers out just so that it would read a bit easier, but if you have your Bibles, you can follow along John chapter 6. So when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. You, got, you came for the food. Um, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And then they asked him, well, what must we do to, to, what must we do, to do the work God requires? And then the, what do we need to do for the food, basically? Uh, Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Wait, wait for her, wait for it. Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as in, please give us food. <laughs> Can you give us more food? We'll, we'll believe you. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. You see, kind of noticing a trend here? They, there's a desire in their hearts to, like, they, like okay, all right, get, get, get the point here. Uh, we, we need something from you. Give it to us now. Um, and Jesus, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And sir, you see it coming? He said, Always give us this bread, <laughs> as in give us, provide for us this. And then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will not, never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. At this the Jews began to grumble about him. Maybe they were hangry. And because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven, they said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling amongst your, among yourselves, Jesus answered. 
No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets. They will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one who has seen the Father except the one who is from God, only he has seen the Father. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Sorry. How many times has he said it? I, don't, I feel like he's trying to get a point across here. Over and over again, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. If you eat of this, you will not be hungry again. What you've had before will not sustain you, but I will. You come to me, you won't be turned away, you won't be uh, sent away, and on the last day I will raise you up again. It's a fantastic promise. But for the people who come and who are there for the food, it's not enough, it seems. And the passage goes on to say how they, they, they say, this is a hard teaching, I can't believe it. How can it be so? And as Jesus gives them more details, like, we can't accept this. And it's, it, John chapter 6 ends with, with, the, with the, a passage that says, and many, at that time, many of his disciples left him. So this is where, as Jesus promises them this eternal life, people say, I can't take this, I am done. This is too complicated. From our point of view in history, we, we know that the bread of life refers to his sacrifice, his death and resurrection on the cross. But for the people who at that time didn't know it yet, this idea of like eating someone's flesh just seemed weird, for sure. But there was also this idea that, um, that Jesus could provide for more than just your food right here, right now. So I'm going to argue that these disciples had three major things that, may, that these disciples and these followers had major obstacles um, to accepting the bread of life. And, and, and I'm going to ask you guys the question, what makes it difficult for us to take the bread of life? And I'm going to say that probably the same things that stopped them are the things that often stop us from really accepting the bread of life and, 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 and relying on him for sustaining power. And there's three of them, and hopefully I'll get to all three. I'm doing okay. Yeah, we'll get to all three. So here's the three things. I think there's three things that, that, we, that often are obstacles to us. One is we have a desire for quick satisfaction. As consumers, as a, a North Americans, we want things fast, and we want them quickly, and we're not willing to put in the time and work to, make it, to, to, to get the things that last. We have a love of novelty. We like new things. The old things that we know are, are familiar with, we tend to disregard or discount or, or, or put to the side. And finally, when those two things aren't the obstacle, then often it's just plain old skepticism and or simple disbelief. We don't believe that this could be true for us. And we just put it to the side and say, this is not true for us. And we see this, we'll see this in the passage, and I think that, we'll, that we can see that in our lives too. So here, first one, 
Desire for quick satisfaction. So back in the passage, it says, Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. So the signs or the food? Some people would come to him for the signs, as in this, this miracle shows me that God is at work here and I want to follow God. Devotion. Or, I got some food, it was good. I think I'm going to fall around, maybe there'll be more food. I had to, when I was studying this, I, I kind of had a bit of a, a personal like, gut check about, like, why do I even come to church? Why am I part of a church community? What is, what is the point? What am I getting out of it? And am I looking for the quick satisfaction of fellowship, community? Am I looking for the, the encouraging message um, am I really discouraged because it's not David this morning who's speaking and this guy's way more boring and like, it's not as funny? Like, like is, is there kind of like a, is there, is there, am I in it for myself, for, for, for the quick satisfaction of being part of a Christian community? Am I here for the Christian culture and the friendly people? Or am I there because I know that it's God at work in a place and I want to be part of what God is doing? That was the, kind of the challenge here. And, and the people clearly responded to him. They asked him, well, what sign? Um, they, so they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? He's miraculously crossed the sea. He's multiplied loaves and fishes. And like, well, what sign? He's done a lot already. But what sign? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven. As in, please give us more bread. Our desire for quick satisfaction is something that, that taints a lot of how we live our spiritual lives. Often we get discouraged with how God is moving in our life because he's not moving the same way he did last week or two weeks ago or two years ago or three years ago. We kind of want God to just redo the same thing he did over and over again and, 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 and like, hey, last time I did this worship song, it was so good. Let's do it again. Oh, it's not as good this time. I need a new, uh, but, but, uh, but then you, you think, well, may, maybe it's this or this or this. But really, I think a lot of the prayer that we have is God do it again the way you did before. Instead of being, instead of us being, a, instead of it being about us following him, it's us putting in our requests as if he was like a personal jukebox. Uh, J.K. Chesterton said that um, one prayer that Jesus never answers is encore. Why? Well, because he wants us to follow him as followers of him. As consumers, as, as Westerners, that's very hard for us. We want the quick satisfaction. We want it to, it to be in it. We want it to be in it for us. Our quick satisfaction is kind of like our spiritual fast food. And if it's not working in one spot, well, maybe I should try another church. Maybe I should try another place. Maybe I should try another teacher. Maybe I should put on a different podcast. I mean, there are good things to be found and, and, and in discovering new places and, and avenues. But if it's because it's, um, it's not feeding you the way you think you should be fed, maybe there's some, uh, there's a, some spiritual discernment that needs to happen. Maybe you need to sit down with some leaders or with some people who could encourage you to, to, to look deeper and, instead of look elsewhere. Because our tendency is to go elsewhere quickly and not look, look deeper. Because Jesus asks us to come to him. How good are we at coming to him for his sake and not for our own?
And that kind of feeds into our, the second problem that the, the people had, and it was this kind of love of novelty. So at this, the Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say, I came down from heaven? They were familiar with Jesus. Some of them said, we know this guy. His dad runs that carpentry shop down over there on 5th. I know, I, know, I know about him. I don't, I don't, what, 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 how can he be the bread from heaven? No. He was in the guy from down the street category. He can't be in the spiritual leader category. So for the things that we need, for the desires, the cravings, the hungers we have that are deeper, if, if, uh, if, if you grew up in the church, this is something that I, I know as a, as a pastor's kid, I had a hard time with. For a very long time, I had a hard time being spiritual or even praying or being a spiritual leader when my dad was around. Because he was a pastor, and like, he's dad. So the dad zone and the pastor zone could not mix. They were like, we had boxes. And, we, and I don't know if you know that like that. Like, like, it's different being like spiritual in front of a whole bunch of people or in a small group, but then spiritual with your kids in the room, it's different. It's harder. It's di- like, there's just something strange about it. We tend as humans to make things more comfortable and more easier to control by putting them in boxes, as in things that are novel and new, I can put in something new, in a new box, but it can't affect all of life. I, I feel like for, for myself, uh, this meant for a long time that while well, my work at the school is different from my work at the church, is different from my work at my home, um, and God can't be the bread of all of life. He's only the bread of my Sunday morning life. What would it be like if as believers we started seeing truth of what Je- the teachings of Jesus, the words of Jesus, are something that could impact how I do my taxes. That could impact how I plan my finances. That could impact how I run my relationships, uh, how I live with my neighbors, how I do my work at work. Um, if, if the truth of Jesus is more than just about um, the Sunday morning that we're familiar with, perhaps it would have something to say to all of life. And I, I feel like um, perhaps a question to ask is, have you discounted the message, message of Jesus because it is familiar to you? And then what do you turn to instead? Well, Jesus can't speak to how I run my business, so I'm going to look at this new business leader because it's new, it's novel, it's going to try out. As a teacher, this drives me crazy because they're constantly saying, you need to try this new pedagogical approach to do this thing because it's brand new and it's different. And i like, no, like... Jesus used stories from everyday life 2,000 years ago. We know how to do this. I can, I, there, um, or, 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 hey, you need to teach your class in this certain way. No, Jesus said to love people. Oh, I figured out that if you love people, kids respond to that. Amazing. But, but, but it's something that, that, that we as believers need to realize that what we learn in the words of Jesus is the bread for all of life. And we can't discount it just because we grew up with it, just because it's old. Sometimes, and this is, I think, one of the silliest arguments that people will say, is, hey, oh, you're a Christian? You go to church? Like, isn't that like pasidat? Isn't that old? Like, no, 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 no one does that anymore. No, actually, the fact that it's stuck around this long probably means that there's something significant there. We need to, we need to, to, to own that and be like, there is truth in the things that came before, and that, we need to, that we need to dig deeper into. So that's an invitation to do that. But they weren't willing to do that. They said, hey, we can't, 
Um, he, he oh, I know this guy's dad. I know his mom. He can't honestly bring something to this like spiritual life thing. He can't have possibly come down from heaven. So then Jesus insists, and he continues to talk about this, and, he, and, and they ask him, well, how could you be uh, the bread of life? What does that mean? And he says, really, uh, my flesh will be sacrificed for you, for the, for the life of the world. Uh, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And, they, and, of, and I understand the listeners at the time, like, this is weird. This is strange. They didn't understand what communion was going to be. But for them, a lot of them said, and this is where we saw in, in John 6, chapter 16. We didn't read this earlier. But at one point, uh, at the end of John chapter 6, it says, on hearing this, with skepticism and disbelief, it says, on hearing this, Many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And then from this time, many of the disciples turned back and no longer followed him. It's one of the, uh, uh, the, the situations in Scripture where it wasn't, um, it wasn't uh, the crowds coming to Jesus. It was the crowds leaving Jesus and going elsewhere. Why? Because it's hard teaching. Because what was Jesus asking them to do? The eat my flesh and drink my blood metaphor or image was something that for, for a Jew just seemed completely inconceivable. And they saw Jesus as someone who could um, perhaps teach them some interesting things and do some amazing signs. But when the teaching got so hard that it didn't seem like it was possible or doable, instead of trusting Jesus and sticking it out, they said, this is too hard. Who can accept this? And left. But not all of them did. And that's where the next, the next slide has, has what the, the disciples responded. And Jesus says, you do not want to leave. Uh, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. And the 12 responded, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. I think there's something beautiful in this because I feel like Simon Peter doesn't say here, hey, no, we get it, the teaching is easy. He says simply, I don't know, where else can we go? You have the words of life. He recognizes that the words of life are coming out of Jesus' mouth, even though they're hard to accept, even though they're difficult. Even though this idea of, of, of associating with the death and resurrection, of, a, of eating flesh and blood, um, was, was, was uh, abhorrent and weird for a Jew. It could, not, it could not be. They couldn't be like, hey, I'm cool with this. But instead, they, were, they simply said, where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. Uh, I mean, uh, I've had a, 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 a tough couple weeks, and that verse has been so true to, 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 to how I've been feeling. In a, in a difficult time, in times where I don't know uh, what to do or where to go, I found that God has been faithful in every th single way. And his truth that he, he has the words of eternal life I, is, 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 is a truth that I can say just from my personal experience is, is true. 
but I don't know what words you need to hear at the moment. And, I, and, and perhaps this sermon won't hit anything that will like, oh, I really needed to hear this today. Um, I remember a story of a, uh, of, of a pastor who, uh, who, well, I don't know if it was a pastor. It was just, it was a, I think it was a joke. I don't think it actually ever happened. But it was a, the idea of, uh, it, it, it's one of those sermon illustrations that I remember hearing as a kid. And I'm like, oh, that's a good one. I'll remember it. I'll use it one day. It was, uh, I think, a Christian and a non-Christian. And the Christian said, hey, uh, I went to church. And the non-Christian said, oh, good. Did you, did you remember the sermon? And the guy's like, no. I don't remember the sermon, which might happen on to you guys this week. I don't remember the sermon. And the, and the, and the, and the, Christian, and the non-Christian guy says, well, why do you even go? Don't use going to church. Don't even remember what's happening on the Sunday morning. And then uh, the, the Christian, instead of arguing with him, says, well, what did you eat yesterday? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't remember. The non-Christian responds. And then the Christian guy says, well, what? I'm sure it fed you, though. Even though I don't remember the sermon on Sunday, I'm sure it fed me. And I don't know exactly what words you need to hear at the moment, but I'm hoping that as we speak them, God can feed you uh, through this. And we looked at the whole passage from the point of view of the ones who weren't willing to accept it, weren't willing to take it in, weren't willing to hear the words. But I'm going to finish today, and I'm going to actually invite the, uh, the, the band to come up and start getting ready, um, but with some of the words that Jesus did say in this passage. And um, I'm not, I didn't write them all down. I didn't bring all the, the verses up, but I have my Bible here. And, um, and what were the words that Jesus said? He said that the food, the bread of life, is, avail- is approved by God, that it's God-honored, and that it's always available. Verse 27, it says, um, a food that endures to eternal life. It says that it's food that brings life to this world. Uh, in verse 33, for the bread of God is he who comes down from the heaven and gives life to the world. We're in a culture obsessed with death and where things are difficult and sad for a lot of people. The bread that gives life. Verse 35 says it's for whoever eats and whoever believes. That's a big deal. It's not just for the select few who decide to believe. It's not for um, those guys who are super religious. It's really for whoever. And if you, for, for your, in your life, have never really relied on Jesus in a way that, like, what, I've ta- what I'm talking about, it seems foreign to you. It seems like something that you've never really experienced personally in your life. This is for you. Jesus can provide for whatever you're hungering for in a powerful way. It's for whoever eats and whoever believes. It's faithful. Verse 37 says, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. You will never be not good enough for Jesus. No matter what you've done or who you are or who you think you are or what you think your worth is, he will never drive you away. It's reliable. Verse 39, verse 40, he says, I will not lose anyone. I shall, not lose, I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them all in the last day. And he says it again in verse 40, and I will raise them all, raise him up in the last day. 
It reveals the character of God. It's by looking at Jesus that we see what God is like. And as we look at God, it shows that we see Jesus. And finally, and this is where we're going to get to with communion here, um, it's the bread that comes down from heaven. It's the bread, it's the body of Christ given to us. The message here is Jesus sacrificed for us. The proof is in the sacrifice. It wasn't just simple words. His body was broken just like the bread was broken. And as we come to communion and we take the bread and we take the wine and we eat it, we're, we're living out his sacrifice and, and identifying ourselves with who he is. As, as uh, Westsiders, we tend to do it like once a month. In some church traditions, they do it every day whenever they can get out there. Uh, in the Salvation Army tradition, you do it before every meal because every single time you eat food, you can remember Jesus' death and resurrection. But here at Westside, we do it once a month and we think of, um, of his death and resurrection. And, and what we have is Louise has a, a song prepared that will help you maybe reflect of what the sacrifice is, uh, of what it means to identify with Jesus um, through death and resurrection. And if you're not a, a, a follower of Jesus yet and you're not quite sure what this is about, well, I'll invite you to kind of just watch what's happening and, and, and pray and, and just reflect by yourself and just take in what you're seeing. But if you're a follower of Jesus, as, as Louise plays the song, um, I'm going to invite you to come and take the bread and, and the wine and, uh, and just hold it preciously, even if it gets a bit like damp in your fingers, just hold on to it and, and, and pray and, and realize that this is the bread of life given to you by Jesus, through Jesus. And um, as the song come, winds down, I'm going to come and I'm going to read two passages that I kind of I, I sneakily kept to the end here. Two things that Jesus said about, about, about who he is, and, and uh, we're going to read it and we're going to take the bread together and take the wine together, and I'm going to end in prayer. So that's, that's the plan. Lord, I thank you for your flesh and blood given to us. You are the bread of life, all of life. And we depend on you. Forgive us for finding other places to, to, to satisfy. Forgive us for putting our reliance on our own abilities, on our accomplishments, on our work, on our relationships, on anything that's not you. Teach us to find our complete satisfaction in you. I pray that, Lord, for this church, there will be a church that remains in you. Through the power of your sacrifice for us. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus.